In Greek mythology, Tantalus is a legendary villain in the underworld. Tantalus is an ancient king whom Zeus invites to his table up at Olympus, and he steals nectar and ambrosia from Zeus's table. He steals the food of the gods. He also chops up one of his children and boils him and feeds him to the gods in order to trick them. And as a result of all of this, he is punished. He's punished by being sent to the deepest pit of Tartarus, where he's buried neck deep in a pool of water. He's got fruit hanging right above him, just out of reach. And he spends the rest of his eternity, the rest of his eternity, tantalized. It's where we get the word tantalized is from the story of Tantalus. He's always got this fruit just above him that he's hungering for, but he can never reach it and he can never eat it. He's, you know, neck deep in this water and he's looking down at it and he's wet and he's cold and he never gets to drink it. He's always hungry and always thirsty. Tantalus's story is a cautionary tale about living a reverent life so that you don't end up tortured by desire in the end. But is that what's happening here? Is Moses the Christian Tantalus? Does Yahweh take him up this mountain to tantalize him? Is, does Moses end his life tortured by desire? Brothers and sisters, the exact opposite is happening this morning. The beauty of our text this morning is that Yahweh takes Moses up the mountain to do something exceedingly beautiful and gracious. In our text this morning, Yahweh takes Moses up the mountain to promise him Abraham. He takes the lawgiver from Sinai up a different mountain to promise him Abraham, to give him the gospel. So the death of Moses ends with Abraham. And the point this morning, given that data, is that Moses didn't die trusting the law of Moses, and you shouldn't either. Moses died a child of Abraham. And you should believe the promises to Abraham. Moses died trusting the promises of our faithful, promise-giving, promise-keeping covenant God, Yahweh. We will look at this in three points this morning. First, promises passed. Yahweh takes Moses up this mountain to comfort him with promises made in the past. Secondly, justice and truth. Moses dies because Yahweh is justice and truth. And then third, grace and truth. The story of Moses ends with Yahweh's grace. He ends the story of Moses by pointing us not just to the truth of his justice, but the truth of his grace revealed in the word and revealed in promises. Yahweh ends the story of Moses by making us look forward to the promise of the Messiah. So three points. Promises past, justice and truth, grace and truth. We'll look at it first under promises past. And to set the scene, we need to remember how we got here. Point one, promises past. Turn with me to Numbers 1, verses 1 through 13. Numbers 1, verses 1 through 13. This is setting the stage for how we got here. I'm so sorry. Numbers 20, verses 1 through 13. <clears throat> Numbers 20, verses 1 through 13. And the people of Israel, the whole congregation, came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh. And Miriam died there and was buried there. Now there was no water for the congregation, and they assembled themselves together with Moses, against Moses and against Aaron. And the people quarreled with Moses and said, Would that we had perished when our brothers perished before Yahweh. 
Why have you brought the assembly of Yahweh into this wilderness that we should die here, both we and our cattle? And why have you brought us up? Or why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, and there's no water to drink. Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces. And the glory of Yahweh appeared to them, and Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took the staff from before Yahweh as he commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the people before the rock together, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank and their livestock. And Yahweh said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah, where the people of Israel quarreled with Yahweh, and through them he showed himself holy. Moses does not get to enter the land for the same reason that the children of Israel didn't get to enter the land. And the reason is he didn't listen to Moses. Moses did not love Yahweh his God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. He did not give Yahweh the glory due his name. In fact, he stole Yahweh's glory. In Numbers 20, instead of speaking to the rock, Moses hits it. He disobeys the word of the Lord given through Moses, and he includes himself in the glory for who gets or who gave them the water. So yes, it's a moment of unbelief, and Numbers 20 says that also. And, and it's because Moses is denying the sufficiency of Christ's one sacrifice. The rock has already been stricken. It doesn't need to be stricken again because that rock is Christ. But this is a moment of unbelief that plays itself out in law-breaking. And so it's a picture of Adam. Moses is a picture of Adam for us. It's a picture of where the law gets us in Adam. It's a picture of us trying to take the glory of Yahweh for ourselves and it's a picture of disobedience earns death. Yahweh punishes disobedience with death east of Eden. Like we sang this morning, he punishes it with death far beyond the land or in the land beyond the Jordan. Yahweh punishes disobedience with death east of the promised land. He punishes it with death outside new heavens and new earth. And we should also note this is the height of irony. Yahweh has just used Moses in all of Deuteronomy to tell them that you will receive blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. You're going to get blessings and stay in the land by obedience. Moses is the lawgiver who just got done saying that, but he didn't keep the law. And so he dies outside the land. In Moses, Yahweh said, do this and live. Moses didn't do this, and Moses doesn't live. Moses didn't obey the word given to Moses. Moses didn't do Moses. And if Moses' life ended with Moses, it would be a tragic farce. If your life and my life ended with Moses, we would be in tragedy. But what's the first thing that Yahweh says to Moses in our text this morning? Look down at verse 4. 
In verse 4, Yahweh's last word to Moses is Abraham. This is the land which I swore to Abraham. The life of Moses doesn't end with commands. It ends with promises. It ends with promises Yahweh made 430 years before the commands. Moses' life doesn't end with law. It ends with gospel. Moses' life ends with promise. And it's the promise that even though God's people cannot and will not, they've already said, you're not going to keep this. They cannot and will not earn the land by commands. Nevertheless, Yahweh is going to give them the land as a gift. And he will bring his people in as a gift. He's going to give it to them because he promised he would. He promised it to Abraham. This is the land I swore to Abraham. And they're going to enter it by grace because Yahweh swore it. Moses can't enter the land because he's a picture for us, and, and that's important. Yahweh is teaching us a lesson about Adam and Moses. But Moses still belongs to Abraham, and so Yahweh does not let him die without seeing the land. And in, in Yahweh's, and by Yahweh's power and promise, Moses sees the whole of the land. Verses 1 to 3 tell us multiple times that he's seeing every last nook and cranny of what Yahweh has promised. Moses is seeing north to south. He's seeing east to west. He's seeing everything that Yahweh promised, and he's hearing those promises preached to him again. And just to emphasize this, the author lets us know multiple times he saw all the land. Verses 1 through 3 use the phrase, all the land, three times. And the point is, Moses is seeing everything by promise. Moses did not set foot on even an inch of the land by commands, and yet by promise he sees every last square inch of it. Moses' life ends with promises. And the application here is simple. You will not enter new creation by commands. You will enter it by promise. Christians, you are going to live forever with Yahweh in real Canaan, in real Zion, in real Jerusalem, in a city whose foundations, or who has foundations and whose builder and designer is God, and you're going to do it by promise. You are going to love and fully enjoy Yahweh forever in the eternal land because of promises made to Abraham. Not even Moses trusted the commands of Moses, but Moses does trust the promises. Yahweh promised mercy in his covenant, and he will keep his oath to Abraham, Zechariah reminds us. And you will enter heaven because of promises. Yahweh swore to Abraham. He swore by himself. Those swearings are yours by promise. It's unbreakable and it's yours in Christ because Yahweh swore it. But that brings us to point two, justice and truth. Point one was promises past. Point two is justice and truth. And justice and truth is that Yahweh buries Moses. Yahweh buries Moses in an unmarked grave somewhere in Moab in the desert. When you bury someone, it tells you that they really died. And if they didn't really die, they're going to have an even worse death in a little bit when they wake up. It's like that joke where you ask people, what would George Washington say if he were alive today? And the answer is, help, I'm trapped in a box. Moses really died. He's buried somewhere in Moab, and his bones rotted away in the ground just outside the promised land. Our text makes sure you know that. He makes sure that you know it's in the plains of Moab, just across from Beth Peor. 
If you look back at chapter 3 of Deuteronomy, you'll see that Beth Peor is part of the place Reuben settles, east of the, jo or, yeah, east of the Jordan. Beth Peor is what Yahweh gives his people in addition to the land of Canaan. It's a place where Yahweh gives more than he promised. It's a land that used to belong to the Amorites before Yahweh defeated them and drove them out. And it's a place where Balaam could only speak blessings on Yahweh's people and not curses. Beth Peor is important. It's a place where Yahweh gives his people more than just Canaan, more than what he promised. He gives them even more because he gives them land outside the promised land that becomes part of the promised land. And, and so Beth Peor is an important place for us because it's foreshadowing when we will live and reign with Christ over all creation. We are going to live with and reign with Christ over all creation at the resurrection because Beth Peor looks forward to the day when the true promised land is going to have borders that stretch out not just past some spot in Palestine, but over all of the globe. Beth Peor is important, but it's also a place where Yahweh tells Moses, you're going to die and I'm going to bury you here. You're not going to see Canaan. So Beth Peor is also justice and truth. Moses dies. Yahweh returns Moses to dust, saying, return, O son of Adam. As we sang this morning, uh, you return men to dust, saying, return, O sons of men. And the author doesn't let us miss the irony of this situation either. The author lets us, or reminds us by what he, the way he words it, that Moses dies because of the word given to Moses. Moses is the one whom Yahweh used to give us Genesis 5. Remember, Genesis 5 is the long list of patriarchs who die. So you get a formula. You get how many years he lived, who he birthed, how many more years he lived, and then it ends with, and he died. And it's the and he died passage. Every patriarch except Enoch gets, and he died. Well, here in Deuteronomy 34, we've got the and he died passage for the guy who wrote the anti-died passage. That's irony, and it's justice and truth. Adam's descendants die. Like we sang this morning, our years are 70, if by reason of strength, 80. And Moses even makes it 120, and he died. Moses dies even though he's in pretty good shape for his age. Our text notes that he has no eye problems, no weariness, some obscure manuscripts tell us that his teeth didn't even fall out. I don't know how many 120-year-olds you know that have no eye problems, all their youthful energy, and all their teeth, but some people would call that miraculous. Yahweh preserved Moses for a long time, but he doesn't preserve him forever. Moses dies. Moses dies because Yahweh is justice and truth. <clears throat> and Moses needs to die because Adam earned death. Moses is a picture of Adam's fall for us. Moses has to die outside the land. Verse 5, Moses died according to the word of Yahweh. Yahweh is just keeping his promises from chapter 3, justice and truth. Brothers and sisters, we need the gospel because of justice and truth. Christ had to come and be born in a body that would be broken and mangled and bloodied and torn apart and suffocated to death and subjected to the full weight of the wrath of God because of justice and truth. Yahweh can keep his promises because he's true, and that's good news when we're talking about his promises, but justice and truth tells us sin earns death, and justice and truth tells us sinners, you are sinners, and God can't go against his nature. 
he must punish it. The death of Moses, therefore, tells us that we need a better mediator than Moses. Moses couldn't even pay for his own sins with his own death, and no sinner can pay for another. We need Jesus. Moses died like every one of us will die, sinners in need of a Savior. But the good news of the gospel is that in Christ, Yahweh did not leave Moses under Moses. And Yahweh doesn't leave you under Moses. He made the gospel known to Moses too, like we read in our call to worship. And as, as Psalm 103 echoes something that happened in Exodus, Yahweh preached to Moses he's, that he is Yahweh, Yahweh, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And that, as Psalm 103 tells us, he can deal with us not as our sins deserve. He does not deal with us as our iniquities deserve. He's Yahweh who by no means pardons the guilty, but he can deal with us graciously because he has killed his son. He has punished his guilt, or our guilt, in his own beloved son. And so in Christ, the good news of Moses' death is that Death is no longer a punishment for sin. It's a dying to sin and an entrance into everlasting life. Moses died in Christ, and that means that even though Yahweh buried Moses somewhere in the desert, the story of Moses' body does not end here. The story of Moses' body ends like our story. It ends with Psalm 16. My flesh dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, and you will not let your Holy One see corruption. God didn't let Christ's body rot in the grave, and he will not leave your body rotting in the grave because you belong to Christ and you are headed for resurrection. The book of Deuteronomy isn't the end of the story of Moses' body because it's not the end of the story of Yahweh's people. The death of Moses is the end of an episode, and it's an episode that ends with a cliffhanger, but it's a hopeful cliffhanger. It's a hopeful cliffhanger that points us toward Christ. The story of Moses' body ends with 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 15. The trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And that brings us to point three, grace and truth. Point three, grace and truth. The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The story of Moses does not end with justice. It ends with grace. The story of Moses... Seems like it's going to end with sackcloth and weeping, based on our text. But the good news is that it, instead it ends with Jesus. It ends with Joshua, who is a picture of Jesus, and it ends with the promises of the Messiah. Look down at verse 9. Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. And so the people of Israel obeyed him and did as Yahweh had commanded Moses. The end of Deuteronomy is the beginning of Joshua. Joshua, the servant of Yahweh, who keeps the law and enters the land. That's the next chapter after this one. The next chapter is Joshua 1. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may have success wherever you go. Then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Yahweh tells Joshua to keep the law, and he will enter the land. And the story of Joshua is God's warrior keeps the law and brings his people into the land. And so the application is obvious here too. When God sent his son, born of a woman, born under Moses, to redeem those imprisoned under Moses, he named his son Joshua. 
You will call his name Joshua because he saves his people from their sins. Joshua is just Jesus in Hebrew. And Jesus, the better Joshua, has obeyed the law for you. In Christ, by faith, God looks at you as if you were his son, as if you had been fully obedient, as Christ was obedient for you. And Jesus, the better Joshua, has led you into the eternal promised land by his law keeping. You have the gift of everlasting life because the story of Moses does not end with Moses. It ends with Joshua. The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And so the story of Moses doesn't end with Moses. It ends with Joshua. And not just in name. The story of Moses doesn't end with Jesus in name only. It ends with the promise of the Messiah. Look with me at verses 10 through 12. There has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, for, uh, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and wonders that Yahweh sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of Israel. At first read, that doesn't sound like promise, and we need to recognize that. It looks like a description of deep loss. It looks like we lost our guy and he's irreplaceable. But in the business, that's what we call a callback. Turn with me to chapter 18 of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 18, 15 to 18. This is Moses speaking. This is what Yahweh promises in Moses. Yahweh your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from among your brothers. To him you shall listen, just as you desired of Yahweh your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when he said, let, or when you said, let me not hear again the voice of Yahweh my God, or see his great fire any more, lest I die. And Yahweh said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. The end of Deuteronomy highlights the great things Yahweh did through Moses, but that's not all that's going on here. The end of the book is grace and truth because it's a callback to promise. The story of the death of Moses ends like it begins, promises. God made promises to Abraham and he kept him. That's how, or he kept those promises. That's how our text began. But it's ending by reminding us that Yahweh made promises to Moses too. And so the end of the book is a reminder, I'm going to keep those promises. I'm going to send somebody greater than Moses. And so by giving us this callback at the end of the book, Yahweh is pointing us forward to promises in the future that he will keep. Yahweh is going to send somebody greater than Moses. He doesn't come in the picture yet in Deuteronomy, because Deuteronomy is not yet the fullness of time. But in Christ, God has sent one greater than Moses, Acts 3.22 and in Acts 7.37, the message of the church, the message the church proclaims is that Moses was promising Jesus. Jesus is the one greater than Moses. Until the coming of Christ, there was not like a, a prophet like Moses whom Yahweh knew face to face, but in Christ, in the fullness of time, John 1. We have the one who came not just from knowing Yahweh face to face. We have the one who came from the bosom of the Father, who is God and who has made the only God known to us. 
2 Corinthians 3.18, In Christ we behold the glory of the Lord with unveiled faces. 2 Corinthians 4.6, For God who has said, Let the light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Until the coming of Christ, there was none like Moses in all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land. But in Christ, we have the one who turned the water into wine instead of blood. In Christ, we have the one who healed instead of sending plagues. In Christ, we have the one who is the light, who shone in the darkness. We have the, in Christ, we have the one who fed people plentifully rather than sending pestilences on their crops and livestock. And in Christ, we have the one who raised a man from the dead instead of killing the firstborn. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus could do all of that, though, because he is the one whom Yahweh sent not just to work great terrors like he sent terrors on Egypt through Moses. Jesus is the one Yahweh sent to bear terrors. He's the one who sent whom the Father sent to bear the terror of the wrath of God on the great day of Yahweh. Jesus is the one who bore all the curses Moses proclaimed on Yahweh's enemies so that we could, by faith, be made his friends and receive his blessings. And so the death of Moses is a hopeful cliffhanger telling us, stay tuned. There is so much more to come. Moses is not the Christian Tantalus. He's the exact opposite. Yahweh took Moses up the mountain to satisfy Moses with good things, to give him the gospel. He took Moses up that mountain to let him see the goodness of Yahweh and to see that Yahweh is the one who does not deal with us according to our iniquities. Yahweh took Moses up that mountain to point him to the fullness of grace which he heaps upon us, grace upon grace, in Jesus Christ. So Christians, the story of Moses' death is your story. It's the story of taste and see and hear that Yahweh is good. It's the story of come to his table and be satisfied with his promises. Our story is live and die in the joy of this comfort because the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off. Amen. At Covenant Reformed Church in Missoula, Montana, we sincerely believe God's Word and faithfully teach it. We invite you to worship with us on Sundays. For more information, please visit MissoulaURC.com. That's MissoulaURC.com.